Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, I want you to mark Psalm 100. And we'll read that first and then get to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Sabbatical. Honestly, it was tough at first. I, I've never taken a sabbatical, so I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. Um, it took me about three weeks to really... How many of you know that when you're running at a high pace, it takes you some time to come down? And then you, you don't realize how, how tired you are. Everything just came to a grinding halt. Um, honestly, I just slowed down. I, I think it's good to slow down. In fact, the older I get... The slower I'm moving. Come on, somebody. How many understands that in the house? I drove literally. I tell you this. I set my cruise control five miles an hour under the speed limit. And some of y'all driving crazy out there, man. I mean, you passing me by. I was that, that slow guy on the interstate that you probably looked at and like, what's wrong with him? But when you slow down, you're able to see things. You're able to hear things and, and, and feel things. I... I read every day, oh man, I, just to be able to take a deep dive into the word. You know, sometimes we read for distance, but this summer I was reading for depth. You know, I know we talk about the one-year Bible and, and we read every day and we go from Genesis to Revelation and I hope you're still tracking along. I am, but I had the margin to not just read for, for distance, man. I, I was able to take a deep dive into the scriptures. I journaled every day. I read a couple of biographies that were just life-changing. I, I read the biography of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I read his uh, letters and papers from prison, the last two years of his life, all the correspondence that he kept while he was in prison, his letters to his parents and his fiance and his close friends. I read the biography of Martin Luther, my goodness, the father of the Protestant Reformation. Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, who MLK was named after him significant figure in history. I mean, God stirred some things in my soul. But one of the biggest, I think, revelations for me during my sabbatical, and I think this may be a lesson for a lot of us here today. Sometimes, sometimes I tie my identity to the things that I do. You know, you know I, everybody calls me Pastor Mike, but I didn't, I didn't spend the summer with God as Pastor Mike. Not, not as a pastor, not as a leader. I didn't come before God as a husband or as a father. I came before him as a child of God. And we're going to kick off a series, and I think this is the perfect weekend to do it. We're going to call this No Filter, and it's really a series about identity. I think identity is a big deal because a lot of times we see ourselves through the things that we do. But over the next four or five weeks, I want to help us separate our who from our do. Come on, are you with me? Uh, you're not just what you do. You know, we, we, we've got it. Sometimes you have to pump the brakes and, and create a little space to get before God and say, God, would you help me see myself as you created me to be? You see, the gospel doesn't just make you a better version of yourself. The gospel is not just about self-improvement. The gospel is about life transformation. 
Thank God for self-help, but God's not trying to make you a better version of you. He wants to deconstruct and reconstruct you into who he's called and created you to be. And I think this is so important. This series, No Filter, Seeing the Real You. Uh, the, The truth is this. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of your soul would love to create confusion as it relates to your identity. He doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. You know, if, and we've seen this on a large scale. How many of you know that culture is confused? How many of you have seen that there's even an agenda that targets our students to create confusion into their identity? You see, the devil doesn't want your sons or daughters to know who they are in God. And he starts at an early age and, you know, all the cultural norms and things that they hear in public spaces and, and what they see on, on the internet and social media. There is an all-out assault to destroy our kids and how they see themselves, who they are, you know, even as it relates to their own gender, you know, their own self-esteem. I'm telling you, there is a bullseye on every student this year. And as parents and as pastors, we have to fight for our kids. We got to help them understand who they are because of whose they are. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. The devil loves to create confusion, and he started in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Did God really say? Remember when he approached Adam and Eve? Did God really say not to eat of the fruit of that tree? And confusion has proliferated throughout human history. You know, I I had this thought, and some of you as parents with, with small kids, even as grandparents, how many of you have art on your refrigerator, and it's from your child or your grandchild? Yeah, and you see the creative ingenuity in these kids. And, you know, when the kids were small at our house, we put all their pictures up. And, and you know, and they're so excited. You know, they're, they're giving it to you, and they, they want to show you what they created. And you're like, that's great. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> How many of you have, like, scribble scratches on your fridge? You have no idea what it is. But you're excited because you know that it came from inside of them. And, and, and then they, they begin to explain it to you, right? Oh, well, look, this is you, and this is me. And see, we're holding hands. And you're thinking, man, why is my head so big? <laughs> you could have made me a little skinnier. or You know, you don't know what it is until you ask the creator. You see, we can't define who we are because we didn't create ourselves. So if you're going to do a series on identity, you don't start with you. You start with him. Quit trying to figure yourself out. How many of you gave up on that a long time ago? Even the apostle Paul said in Romans 7, I don't understand myself at times. I mean, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I try to stay away from, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. What am I going to do with myself? Uh, Listen, you can't figure yourself out. That's why you don't start with the creation. You start with the creator. When you understand whose you are, then you will know who you are. Psalm 100 says this, make a joyful noise, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. Come on, somebody say, I'm his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You see, the truth is this. You didn't design, you didn't design yourself, so you can't define yourself. When God designs it, he defines it. So as a church and as a spiritual family, we have to start with our creator. If you don't know who you are, a child of the most high God, then you'll spend all of your energy trying to get the validation of other people. How many of you have wasted days and months and even years of your life trying to chase down some type of validation or approval from others? I have. When you don't know who you are, it's exhausting to live and strive for the approval or affirmation of someone else. But when you're secure in who God made you to be, you won't live to impress people. Now listen, I don't want to depress anybody, but I'm not here to impress you today because I know who I am in Christ. And so it sets me up to be free, free to be me. I care about your opinions, but it's the thoughts of God that matter most in my life. So the two most important perspectives we could have is first, how we view God, and it's how we view God that will determine how we see ourselves. I've noticed over the last couple of years, the, the transformation since the pandemic, since 2020, our lives have transitioned to screens. We spend a lot of time on screens, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's a laptop, whether it's an iPad. Your kids are growing up, and that's all they ever know is screen time. And you think about it with Zoom calls. How many of you have had to conduct a few Zoom calls over the last couple of years? FaceTime and Zoom calls. You see yourself as you're talking to other people. How many of you have ever been in a Zoom call meeting and you're checking yourself out thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't know I looked like that. <laughs> hey, listen, y'all, this is awesome. I got to tell you this real quick. So a couple weeks ago, I went down to Albasha in Prairieville. I ordered some to-go food. And look, now I'm on sabbatical, okay? I mean, so I'm at a different pace. I'm in different space. And I walk into the restaurant, and I hear a precious lady, one of the members of our church, and she said, Pastor Mike? And I stopped. And I looked at her. She's so sweet. She said, is that you, Pastor Mike? <laughs> she said, wow, you have really let yourself go. Oh, and it was true. Man, my beard was everywhere. My hair was messed up. I was wearing flip-flops and some ratty shirt. Man, I don't know when the last time I bathed even. I was like, <laughs> let myself go. Didn't even know it. <laughs> but you know, when, when our kids are posting on social media, they have all these filters now, right? And sometimes the pictures that we post, are, there's, there's hundreds of filters to choose from. There's filters that will highlight certain things and hide other things. Come on, talk to me. You know, they have buttons. I didn't realize this, okay? But they have buttons now. Like TikTok has a button called enhance. And you press enhance, and I guess it's supposed to make you look better. How many wish you had an enhance button by the nightstand when you first got out of bed? <laughs> or, or, or even uh, uh, touch up my appearance as a button on Zoom. I didn't know they had all these things. But it's amazing how we, we've created a culture that wants to post the ideal and hide the real. We're all about posting what we want other people to see 
and we give little thought to what God already knows. How many of you know at Healing Place, we got to keep it real? You know, there's, this series is going to show us how to keep it real in our own hearts, but also in the house of God. I think this is going to be super important. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, check this out. No filter. This is, this is the spirit that we want to move forward in. Nowadays, most people post a picture, and the norm is to apply a filter. And if they don't use a filter, they got to let you know. Hashtag no filter. What if, what if the way that we conducted our relationships was hashtag no filter? What if the way we came before God was without a filter? What if we just made ourselves so vulnerable and so transparent and honesty was a premium and we said, God, here I am. I tell you what, I think God would, able, he would be able to do a lot of amazing things through our honesty, our vulnerability, our transparency. Check this out. And the Apostle Paul, he's addressing the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 3. He's talking about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And let, let me be quick to say this. Uh, I know there's, there's a movement among some to disregard the Old Testament. You know, well, I'm under the new covenant. Yes, but from Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible is inspired. And, you know, Jesus didn't come to abolish the old covenant. He came to fulfill it. And so Paul is trying to help the New Testament church understand this dynamic. You know, some of the Jews were strictly adhering to the law of Moses, and yet Jesus shows up to fulfill the law, and now there's a new dispensation of grace. And so the problem was not with the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament, the law is the standard. How many of you know the law of the Lord is perfect? The law, is the the law reveals how crooked our lives really are. The law shows us our sinfulness, and thank God for Jesus, because we need a whole lot of grace. And here's what he says here in 2 Corinthians 3.13. Paul says, we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face, so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Jesus Christ. Interesting reference here that Paul makes. If you're taking notes, I want to give you, as we work through this passage, I want to give you three simple thoughts. Write this down. Number one, filtered faces. Filtered faces. Paul's making reference to Moses who wore a veil. This is actually the first filter in the Bible. You know, Moses, why, why would Moses wear this veil? Well, this is a reference to the time that Moses would climb the mountain, the top of Mount Sinai. He spent time with God there. Many of you know that in his relationship and his, his space with God, God gave him the Ten Commandments, and he wrote these commandments in stone. And Scripture says that when Moses would, would spend time in the presence of the Lord, he would come off the mountain, and his face would just radiate and shine with his presence. And I've often read that, and I've thought, Lord, I want my life to be so full of the presence of God that my face shows it. I believe there's something about your countenance. How many of you know that what's on your face is a reflection of what's in your heart? 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you are responsible for your face. You ought to see what I'm looking at right now, I'm telling you. I believe that if there's life on the inside, it should show on the outside. And I've prayed, Lord, you know, God, I want to walk into a place and just people see me radiate and shine with your presence. I I pray that over your kids. As they go back to school, they will be a light on their campus. There will be a countenance on their face that reflects the presence and the indwelling of God's spirit in their hearts. Imagine being so close to God that your face would shine with his glory. It reminds me of David Wilkerson, the uh, the, the late great pastor of Times Square Church in, in New York City. He was a prophetic voice in America for decades. Uh, he died in 2011, and at his funeral, his kids were telling some stories honoring the legacy of their dad, Dave Wilkerson. Many of you are familiar with him, and you've read his books, and you've listened to his sermons. But they told a story about how when, when, when their dad was in his 70s, he was so enamored with the glory of God, he began to study it. He went on a, a retreat for three months. He just studied every scripture, every verse uh, about the glory of God. And he prayed, Lord, I want that in my life and, and your presence emanating from me. Let it shine to those around me. And so once the retreat was over, he came back home. and He and his wife, Gwen, they went out to dinner. And while at a restaurant, they were seated at the table. And he noticed one of the waitresses kept looking at him kind of out of the corner of his eyes, she keeps looking over at this table. He says, Gwen, it's working. She sees the glory of the Lord on my face. She knows I've spent time with the Almighty. About the time the waitress comes over real timidly and and says, excuse me, sir, I I noticed you as soon as you walked into the restaurant, and I couldn't help but asking. I I apologize. I I don't want to bother you, but i got to know, are you Hugh Hefner? It wasn't the glory. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I would say if you don't know who Hugh Hefner is, Google him, but don't Google. Don't. Sometimes we think we're more spiritual than what we really are. And one of the translations here, check this out. The NIV translates this verse that Moses would put a veil over his face when the glory began to fade. See, while he was with the presence of God, he was shining, but over time, he lost his shine and that he would cover that. Maybe he didn't want others to see that he wasn't as spiritual as what they thought he was. You know, we all have filters. We all wear veils to some degree. There's the the me I want to be. You know, there's a me that, oh man, I just, I want to be strong. I, I, I want to be handsome. I want to be eloquent. I want to be funny. I want to be likable. There's the filter that dictates what we think and what we say and what we do based on what we want. There's the me I want to be, and then there's the me that I project to be. There's the me that I want others to see. We call this reputation. You know, your reputation is who you are when everybody's watching. But your character is who you are when nobody's watching. And I want you to know that God is much more interested in your character than he is your reputation. The Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. 
Man, he, he left the glory and splendor of heaven and he walked the brokenness and the filth of this world. Man, he suffered a, a horrible death. Why? Because he was more concerned about God's character than he was his own reputation. There's the me I, I, I want to be. There's the me I project to be. Then there's the me I don't want you to see. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Well, we were rocking for a minute, but now all of a sudden, put on the brakes. Can I tell you, the sabbatical showed me some things about myself that I didn't know was there. I was like, well, Lord, I'd rather not talk about that. God's like, no, for the next two months, we're going to deal with some things. You know, you can be so busy in life that you can hydroplane over the core of who you really are. And not get to some of the stuff. God wants to work on you. He wants to show you about you. You can always tell those who haven't dealt with themselves because they're critical about everybody else. Can we, can we, we want to camp out on that for a minute? Oh, listen. And I mean, you can just see on social media all the hate and the criticism and the finger pointing. Oh, my goodness. If we would spend half the time that we've spent on criticizing others and double that up on looking in the mirror, how many know we would improve the world by a thousand percent? The me I don't want you to see. You know, every family has secrets. Until the Sunday school teacher asked the class, are there any prayer requests? And then how many of you know your kids will tell it all? You know, maybe we're afraid that if they knew the real us, that they, they wouldn't like us, they wouldn't embrace us, they wouldn't accept us. Well, what, if, what if I asked the HPC creative team? We got an amazing creative team, do we not? Can we show our love, put our hands together for the men and women who make Sundays happen? What if I sent a camera crew from the church to your house, to do a documentary on your family. And all they were gonna spend was just 24 hours. One day, just hanging out at your house. And then the next Sunday, we were to put it up on these screens. How many of you might not wanna to go to church that following Sunday? You see, God wants to bring authenticity back into the church. Yes. Hear me, hear me, healing place. God wants to, I believe the Lord is stirring up the embers of revival. I feel that so strong in my spirit. Rachel, I prayed. Man, I believe God has something special for this house. But you know what? We won't be ignited with revival fire as long as we're imposters, pretending to be people that we're not. It starts with honesty. Uh, David said in Psalm 51, verse 6, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. And the very hidden parts, Lord, you'll make me to know wisdom. I believe that church, listen, this church ought to be the safest place for your most vulnerable moments. Nobody's judging you or criticizing you. Man, this is a safe space for you and God, for the word to be declared. I'm tired of taking our cues from culture. I'm tired of, of social media, mainstream media, news outlets, popular thoughts. I'm done with all of that. This book is what I cling to. This is the truth that guides my life, my convictions, my decisions. And as I weigh my life up against this book, Lord, if there's anything in me that doesn't line up with this book, God, you can have it. 
God, I surrender it to you. God, I make room for you. God, carve out anything in me that doesn't look like you. Honesty, transparency, vulnerability. There's the me God created me to be. That's what we want to discover through this series. The you God created you to be. You are not your past experiences. You are not what culture says you are. You are not, maybe you, you were hurt by the hands of a, a trusted friend or family member and, and all these years of brokenness and pain, that's become your filter. God's saying it's time to remove some filters. This is what it says here, verse 16. Paul says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Mm -mm -mm. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, somebody say freedom. You see, I believe God's going to set some people free. Man, now, 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 maybe you can be free in the community, free in a country with a constitution that, that values and protects freedoms, but you can be bound in your soul. You can be bound by an experience. You can be trapped by a thought. You can be in a vault of shame, locked up, and nobody know it but you. But God says this, those who turn to the Lord, the veil will be removed. Now notice this, the veil is a cover, okay? It separates, it hides. When you remove the cover, you discover See, watch this. The cover is dissed. You got to diss the cover to discover who God created you to be. I believe that God's going to use these Sundays in the month of August to help you discover who you really are in Jesus. Not what your pain has told you you are. Not what your past has told you you are. The Bible says that veils are going to be removed. Covers are going to be dissed. The curtain will be split in two. And what's on the other side of that is the discovery of who we really are in Christ. Notice the scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Somebody say liberty. That literally means freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know why this is important? Because when you live to please other people, or to be someone you're not, it is such a bondage. You are bound. If you're a people pleaser, if you're addicted to approval, or if you're living under some past experience, and man, you have this veil, there is bondage in trying to be somebody you're not. It's exhausting. Can I have a good amen? Am I talking to anybody today? You know what? Why is it that we're so exhausted after a first date? Because you're trying to be somebody you're not. Come on. Why are you so exhausted after that job interview? <laughs> Why are you exhausted when you go to a party that you don't know anyone? Because it's, it's bondage. But I believe he that the son is set free is free indeed. Jesus wants the real you. He wants the real you. Because there is no healing in hiding. There is no healing in hiding. Some of you wonder why you can't be healed from your past because you're using your past to hide. And God's saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? Where are you? Hey, we once had fellowship. What happened? 
Well, I, I saw that I was naked and I was ashamed, so I hid. There is no healing in hiding. Uh, would, you, would you embrace the loving spirit and presence of God to step out from your filter and into his perfect love? You see, God doesn't look at you through your brokenness. Oh, hear me, hear me, hear me. God, when he sees you, now, is there brokenness? Is there pain? Is there hurt? You better believe it. But God doesn't look at you through your brokenness. He looks at you through his blood. It's the blood of Jesus. Consider this. In Exodus 12, when God told Moses, I want you to take the blood of the lamb and put it upon the doorpost of your house as a sign. And when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. What was God looking for? He wasn't looking for talent. He wasn't looking for ability. He wasn't looking for how many followers you have on Facebook. He wasn't looking at your level of education. He wasn't looking at your skin color or how much money you made. What was God looking for? He was looking for blood. Some of you are like, well, well, pastor, I don't feel worthy. Guess what? When that death angel came to the house, he wasn't asking on the other side of the door who's worthy. He was just looking for blood. Some of you, you come to church and you don't feel worthy. Listen, God's not looking at you through your brokenness. He sees you through the blood of his son, Jesus. He says, when I see that blood, I'll know you're mine. Man, my prayer for you, my prayer for your kids is that you'll be marked in blood this year. Oh, put it upon the doorpost of your house. Put it upon your gates, man. Man, when you're bringing those kids to school, you plead the blood of Jesus over them. Man, you know they're walking into a battlefield. You know there are worldly influences. You know there are traps of the enemy. But if my kids are marked in blood, no evil shall befall them. Neither shall any plague come near their dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over them. I pray that we're a church that's marked in blood. Man, listen, some of us came to Jesus through fire. Some of us came to him through flood. Some of us came to him through great sorrow. But all of us came to him through the blood. It was the blood that gave us access to to the Father. It was the blood that opened up every prison door. It's the blood that sets us free. It's the blood that saves us and heals us and delivers us and forgives us and redefines who we are. Somebody say the blood. Say the blood. Come on, the blood of Jesus over my family. The blood of Jesus over this church. The blood of Jesus over my sons and my daughters. Mm, If they're marked by blood, Jesus says they're mine. Oh, let's give our kids the the, the school supplies that they need. Let's give them the new tennis shoes, make sure they got the uniform, but don't forget the blood. If you send them to school without the blood, then you're setting them up for failure. The blood of Jesus. And y'all should have packed a lunch today. I told you I've been saving up. Oh, goodness. I got to get the band up here. I got to get the band up here. Let's. The blood. truth is none of us are worthy we're not we don't get into heaven based on our worth (laughs) but it's based on his what an amazing deal because the truth is my life has been a mess 
and you and I, we've done things that we're not proud of. Oh God, and then there's this tendency, this, this, this fear that jumps on us that if they knew about me, God, well, you know about me. But God says, as far as the east is from the west, it's under the blood. I don't know how God does it, but he can take a black heart, apply red blood, and make it whiter than stone. I, I don't know how it works, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. There's no arrogance or self-proclamation in that. It's just a, a humbling, grateful, Lord, you, you've been merciful to me. And I'm free. I'm free to be. Filters have got to go. They've got to go. God's not interested in the Facebook version of you. He's not. He says, this is who I created you to be. I just sense the Spirit of God moving on this place. I feel the hand of God helping people. Maybe you're here this morning and there has been a vault of shame that you have hidden behind for years and the thought of removing that veil, that filter that cover it's scary but Jesus assures us I've not given you a spirit of fear perfect love casts out all fear if we will come just as we He will come to us just as He is. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.